Hey guys, welcome to Layers of Design, a podcast where we'll be sharing stories and experiences from different designers in the design field. My name is Ebehi Jerere, and I'll be your host. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. Hey guys, so welcome to this new episode of Layers of Design. With me, I have a very special guest, Jasmine Jenkins. Hello there. <laughs> um, she went to school with me, and um, she's one of the most organized and passionate people that I know. So bringing her on is, is I think it's going to be a very inspiring episode hearing about her story and, you know, her passions and her goals. So let's get into it. Welcome, Jasmine. Oh, thank you for having me. So um, what got you into architecture? Honestly, wrong career choice. Oh, wow. Growing up, my older sister, she's in real estate. So all of my life, I kept telling my parents, I'm going to be just like her. And my mom was the one who explained to me, maybe you should rethink that. Real estate's not all you think it is. And I would always collect floor plans from different developments that I would make my mom take me to on the weekend. And she asked me to just look into a profession where it's clear that I like collecting these floor plans and reading them and understanding the functions of a house and look for a career that's more design oriented and not business. Oh, wow. So because of that, my senior year, last minute, I decided to apply for architecture, not knowing really anything. Yeah. And here I am. Nice. Yes. That's awesome. So I'm, so I mean, that means you've been into architecture from like the beginning. Yes. Unknowingly, because I thought it was real estate because oh. that's what my sister did. And then my mom helped open my eyes and realize it had nothing to do with real estate. I was really intrigued by architecture and design in itself. That's really cool. That's really cool. So what would you say one of your passions are or some of your passions rather? Some teaching. For okay, sure. Okay. I love education. I'm very passionate about recreational activities like roller skating has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. So really trying to balance my work life with activities that keep me stimulated and motivated. So teaching and roller skating. That's really cool. And what type of stuff do you teach? I started when I was a student teaching structures um, I taught all three courses at FIU wow. as a graduate assistant and came on the summer following my graduation as an adjunct lecturer teaching Structures 2, which is all about wood and steel construction. Mm -hmm. And now I just finished up my spring semester at Miami-Dade teaching Woo! architectural materials and construction. And I think that by far has been my favorite course oh, to nice. teach. So you prefer like the structural or, or the more technical side of architecture? Yes, I definitely prefer the more technical side. I enjoy theory and concepts, but I really thrive in the technical aspects. That's really interesting. So um, when did you graduate? I graduated in 2017, so just about two years ago. And how was life after? Not as I expected, <laughs> for being how honest. So? I mean, I feel like that's how it was for everyone, no yeah. matter what they tell us. Exactly. I graduated, I was very fortunate to get a job right after graduation in project management. And we learned nothing about project management yeah. while we were in school. <laughs> 
So steep learning curve there, but our our office, our firm is very hands-on and it really motivates all of our employees to do their best, learn as much as we can. So because of the team support that mm-hmm. we do have at, at our office, I've learned a lot about the project management side mm-hmm. of architecture. And I think that's something that helps create a more well-rounded architect or designer and really understanding the importance of the concept and the theory behind your design. Yeah. And also in the reality and how buildings yeah. come together, how expensive it is to put a building together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually really cool. I feel like a lot of designers, especially fresh out of school, apart from the fact that it's some, most of the time it's a struggle to get a job. It's like really hard to get a job that will just teach you like project management. Yes. You know, it's like you just do little things and try and like do little details or some firms even throw you right into design, but not many actually teach you like project management. Yes. So would you say you prefer the experience to project managing, managing rather than design? No, I mm. appreciate my experience being able to learn mm-hmm. this side, mm-hmm. but I wholeheartedly miss design. Oh, wow. With every fiber in my being. <laughs> <laughs> I really just miss the pen to paper. Yeah. Revit. I love Revit. I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. You've always loved Revit. Yes. I. So I really miss design, but I'm so fortunate to know what I know now and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going to be the best way to implement that and create a lifestyle that I'm happy with and don't feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. Wow. That means you're about to be like a real good designer. I hope so. Project management, (laughs) like knowledge, and then your design, your passion for design. Oof. Guys, watch out. (laughs) (laughs) So apart from your, I'm guessing your nine to five is um, your project management job. Yes. Right. And apart from that, what else, like, do you do anything else on the side? Aside from teaching and the nine to five, no, that's, that's really my whole world at the moment. (laughs) I mean, I guess your teaching really is your side. Yeah. Yeah. So in that, in that sense, it is. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing I always come back to because the project management is my nine to five. Yeah. And with the two opportunities for being a summer professor and teaching this spring became my side hustle and but it's something where, because I enjoy it so much, mm-hmm. I don't mind putting in the late hours yeah. and missing activities on the weekend because teaching is what I'm passionate about. And in my experience so far, I've realized I'm working to become a better educator. Interesting. Exactly. And I want to just soak up as much knowledge as I yeah. can and just spill that back into my students and mm-hmm. inspire my students to become the future designers and the future engineers of our field, but a better, well-rounded designer um, in architecture. Do you think, um, so do you think you would go into teaching like full-time eventually, or you always kind of have it on the sidelines? I think that's my goal. To go into it fully? Fully. Oh, wow. So would you do like the more theory or design or... No, I appreciate our studio professors, but that's not for me. No. I want to stick with the technical. So going back to structures Uh or 
keeping with the architectural materials of construction Mm -hmm. and really understanding the components of masonry versus metal Mm -hmm. or just things that I feel are very important for just real world knowledge. Yeah. And I've, I've always been interested in the use of technology with these materials and how can we utilize the technology to make construction that much more efficient or mm-hmm. um, cost effective or environmentally friendly or, you know, just finding different ways in which we don't forget about the material yeah. or we don't forget about the components of the building and focus solely on our concept and not really understanding that it's the little things, it's the details that yeah. also emphasize your overall concept of these buildings. And I think that's what's missing with a lot of designers in the sense that the we don't really have like the know-it-all of how to actually complete a building. Mm-hmm. Like we're able to design something beautiful, but then when it comes to the structures, we're kind of lacking. So it's like, oh, here, structural engineer kind of thing. Right. <laughs> no, and I, I agree. And that's why, for example, I love like a boussier. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. His thick walls, like these load-bearing walls that are architecturally astounding mm-hmm. um like at Ron like a like at Ronchamp where you have this massive wall with all of these punctured windows but everything's at a different depth and one window could be a bit shallower and you're util- he's utilizing the structure of the building and creating a beautiful element with these windows and the different um textures and colors of light and mm-hmm. it's details like that where i feel we're slowly missing yeah. from the field and it's those minor, which are really not minor because it's a huge architectural mm-hmm. element of the building um, that I think are important to remember, think of the structure and how can we make that structure beautiful and yeah. not try to hide it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, those are the little things that are slowly getting slowly getting lost. But I feel those also make like good design because mm-hmm. like when we everything we um, learn in school and all of the architects and all of the design works that we used as precedents. They were, they were like, they really focused on the details of the little elements, you know? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's really interesting that you started off kind of like, you know, real estate, thinking of that and then moving into like the floor plans and design school. And now you're just like structure. Yeah. <laughs> I went from big, big, massive picture down to the minute to the details. details. Is that how you are in your personal life? Oh, a hundred percent. I am a crazy planner. Everything has a schedule, or at least I try uh-huh. to keep everything in a schedule. I write everything down, even if it's not that good. I'm, I try to, you know, keep things on my phone, but I'm just handwritten. I need my notebook with me at all times. And I maybe a little too OCD, <laughs> but I think it pays off in the end. Yeah. I mean, you guys should go to Target with Jasmine. She has, she knows exactly where to find everything by the app. I have never been with someone so organized at Target. It's great. <laughs> it's just so easy to get lost there. It is really easy. And I feel we all get lost there. Yes. Intentionally. But sometimes it's not a, exactly, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's not. Target is awesome. It is. Um, so what does your future look like in like the design world? That's a great question. <laughs> I'm hoping um, my future finds its path along that gray uh-huh. world in between design and construction. Because I do 
love the components of construction and Mm -hmm. I do love design. So finding somewhere that meets all of those needs and keeps me motivated to think um, critically about how can we utilize our growing technology with construction, whether Mm -hmm. it's modular or 3D printing or anything like that, I think fascinates me. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping I can get fortunate enough to land somewhere that just thrives off of these creatives. Mm -hmm. Would you um, try out like a design-oriented firm? I would. Mm -hmm. I would. I think that's what I'm looking for now that I'm moving out of Miami. Oh, my gosh. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you moving to, if you don't mind us asking? If you don't mind me asking. I'm moving to Austin, Texas. Woo! Very far away. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm very excited because there's a lot of opportunity in Texas with different craftsmen and trade. And they're, from what I've seen so far, Mm -hmm. really innovative in thinking about affordable, sustainable houses, modular houses. Mm -hmm. Um, They're really leading the industry, from what I've seen so far, with creative approaches to our field. Hopefully, once I'm out there in Austin, I can find something that meets what I'm looking for. And if not, I miss design. So I'm all about going to a more design-oriented field and using what I've learned so far with project management and bringing that to that firm and contributing what I've learned thus far and then learning a lot more about design, which I haven't been exposed to so far. That's really great. Um, Would you... So you, you touched on sustainability. How important is that to you and your career? I think it's extremely important. Yes. Extremely. Architects really shape, you know, our world and our future and really being involved about what's going on with our environment and Mm -hmm. finding different ways to create more sustainable materials and recycling different materials to use in construction is so important because there's always a need to build. Yeah. And Sometimes in order to build, you need to demolish. So Mm -hmm. how can we use what we've just demolished in our new building? Huh. Right. I think that's something that's really interesting, finding different fascinating ways to recycle or upcycle construction materials and not just throw them in a landfill. Yeah, that's true. I I feel like it's not done enough. Mm -hmm. You know, the recycling of demolished buildings and all of that. That's something that should really be like honed on. It is. And I, and I feel it's very hard. Sometimes mm-hmm, when you've mm-hmm. got all of these massive concrete structures with rebar and it's just a tangled mess. So, of course, it's easier to just haul it off site, start over from scratch. Mm-hmm. But then that ties back into technology and being innovative in the industry. If we can create a construction material that demolishes in a way that it's easier to reuse yeah. and recycle and really thinking about the longevity or the life, the lifespan yeah, of these construction materials. True. And it's not just a one time, let's put a wall up and mm-hmm. we'll think about it 50 mm-hmm. years from now, because right now we don't have 50 years to think about it. That's true. It's like, there's a word I'm looking for. It's not coming to me. It'll come later. <laughs> It's going to be such an interesting switch from like the Miami architecture to the Texas architecture, Austin, Texas. Yes. Especially because you studied in Miami. So everything you've learned so far, at least on a, on a large scale 
is really about Miami and, you know. Yes. And that's wholeheartedly. I'm born and raised in Miami. That's all I know. But being fortunate enough to do study abroad and seeing different forms of architecture elsewhere Mm -hmm. really opened my eyes that there's more than just concrete and glass because that's pretty much Miami. (laughs) Everything is concrete or glass. We love concrete and glass. (laughs) And I think it's so interesting to see different like millwork companies Mm -hmm. or steel fabric, like all of these different trades that are rare here in Miami. And then at least in Austin, there's such a drive and there's a passion for the creativity and craft and honesty in the work that they're doing with these different materials and really integrating wood and steel and making it look so finessed and beautiful, or it can be really heavy and industrial looking, but just seeing all of the potential for materials that are rarely used here Here. is so exciting. That's true. I think the honesty, like the honest architecture is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Where you can just see all of the materials, you know? It's like almost the vulnerability of a building just shows. It is. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It always brings me back. There's this Urban Outfitters in Savannah. Uh-huh. And when we went all those years back for school, I went I in. I like, remember that Urban Outfitters. It was, I don't remember this street, but if you go inside, there's a stair mm-hmm. case that leads yes. you up to the second floor and yes. there's exposed beams from mm-hmm. the old building that they renovated to turn into this Urban Outfitters. And I was obsessed with these stairs. <laughs> I didn't even want to shop anymore. I just wanted to spend the rest of my time understanding this beautiful detail and appreciating the architect for leaving these beams exposed and Mm -hmm. not just covering it up for more retail space. Yeah, of course. For So you mentioned study abroad. How was that? And how many did you do? Where did you go? Tell us. Changing. (laughs) I recommend anyone everywhere to do a study abroad wherever you can. Mm -hmm. I've been able to go on two different ones, okay. both in Europe. The first one I did was a summer two-week study abroad in Paris and Italy, Paris and Milan. And then the second one I did was a semester-long study abroad in Genoa, Italy. Nice. And that one stole my heart. <laughs> <laughs> that cute port city is uh-huh. large, but full of character and life and so much culture And because in Europe, it's so easy to travel Uh between the two. I saw a variety of different countries from Germany to Amsterdam and France. And it was incredible being exposed to that many different countries and the different types of architecture, Mm -hmm. the appreciation for material, whether it's glass, there's a lot of glass in Germany, but it's treated very differently than it is here. And Going on a study abroad exposes you to so many different just ways of thinking about life, about architecture, about where you see yourself. It really made me realize it's important to slow down Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I'm such an organized, scheduled person and going to Italy where everything is just and you get there when you get there and you enjoy your two-hour lunch and take a siesta and things like that in Miami. Yeah. That's not no, it's a like, thing. Yeah, Miami is intense. Yes. Miami is intense. <laughs> so it's to nice to get that breather and that fresh air and remind yourself it's normal to take a break and to appreciate your surroundings mm-hmm. and then you get back to the hard work. 
I agree. And you know, that's something I feel we're missing as like designers and go-getters in mm-hmm. a sense. Like we always forget to take us a break and pause and just appreciate what's really around us, which like whether we like it or not, it's what it's our environment that actually influences our design and who we are as people. It is. You know? Okay. So, I mean, I guess you've already answered this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about architecture? Ooh. Or your favorite things that can be multiple. My favorite things about architecture. Hmm. For me, it's the details. Mm-hmm. It's the details that's the things that stick with me. No matter where I go, mm-hmm. I seek them out. Whether it's oh, wow. exposed beams in a retail store in Savannah, or whether it's exposed beams in a staircase or a retail store in Savannah, or if it's the beautiful Duomo in Florence mm-hmm. that's been there for, I don't know how many years and just understanding how did this shape come to be and what components came together to create this beautiful masterpiece that's still standing. So for me, it's always the details and understanding what these little key elements that people might not notice mm-hmm. because in the everyday, you're not going to stop and stare at a beam but for the brief second that you take that breather and you take that pause and you look up and then you notice wow that's really nice and that's what sticks with you wow that's great you know i feel like for me it's the overall picture and like the whole design process yeah like i'm i'm intrigued with the details and like you know with the way buildings are put together and the structural elements but i think i'm just in love with the overall, like when it's finished, like yeah. the sketchy part. That's something I need to work on. <laughs> Cause I, I need the, like to focus on the details mm-hmm. more, you know? What would you, like, what's some advice that you'll give like a young architect or architects coming in, coming into the profession? Some advice that I would give to a fresh face in our yeah. field. Yeah. Um, number one, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's okay to not fully know what you're doing or where you want to go. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I know there's a lot of pressure when you go into architecture school. Yeah. You get there with people who have probably gone to school for architecture longer mm-hmm. than you've even known about the profession. And that was me. I came in yeah. not knowing anything Same. at all. I and I was no so intimidated. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Yes. And there's people who this is their life and you're just there trying to figure out if this is even something you're interested in. And then there are people with like that are just naturally talented in design and you're like, whoa. And you have to work a little hard. (laughs) Some have to work a little bit harder to, to get that payoff, but it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be that person who's unsure about if this is the right path for you. Mm -hmm. And then once it clicks that, a little, a little late night doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Mind you, some, not all, not all late nights. You know, you have to pick and choose your battles with these all nighters. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay to, to be uncertain and yeah. to find your own footing and find your own path within this giant field of architecture mm-hmm. because there's so many different routes and places yeah. that you can go. And once you find what you love, Hold on to it. 
I agree. And you know, that advice is perfect, not just for even people that are just starting out in the design field. I feel it's perfect for people like us, like on our level as well, that Mm -hmm. graduated and we're already working. I mean, that piece just hit me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's okay. You know, it's okay not to be sure. It's okay not to have everything planned out Mm -hmm. because things don't always turn out as you want, you know? Exactly. And I think sometimes it's also appearances because I get that, that statement a lot where people are like, you're the most organized person I know. Uh, <laughs> you are. <laughs> but at the same time, it's because I have so much going on in my mm-hmm, head and there's mm-hmm. so much that I want to do that if I don't organize those thoughts and mm-hmm. I don't organize those intentions, I get overwhelmed. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm never going to figure this out. And then the second I write it down and just take a second and think about it, then it all starts to line up and just align in where you realize, okay, I have my nine to five. It's great. I'm learning a lot, but it's not completely fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So what do I think will fulfill me? And then you take those avenues and you just try it out. Like maybe it's teaching, maybe it's doing something else. And Mm -hmm. then once you find that little thing, your own thing. Yes. And then if you're fortunate enough to have a job that lets you do both at once, Mm -hmm. go for it. And I think it's worth it. My experience with working two jobs at once has been worth it because now I know what I'm really passionate about and I just have to find my own way to make that my end goal Mm -hmm. and an end goal that I'm going to be happy with that I feel like I will contribute the most to our society Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I feel teachers are so important and so underappreciated. They really are. I completely agree with you. They don't get enough credit. No, they don't. So you would, would you ever break free from your nine to five? If the, um, (laughs) (laughs) if the condition was right, Mm -hmm. I would. In what sense? In the sense where ever being honest pay. Yeah. I mean, we have to eat. Exactly. (laughs) I gotta live somewhere. Yeah. If the pay was there, a hundred percent, I would, I would break away. I think really what's stopping me right now is my experience. Mm -hmm. Only being out of school for two years, I have so much more to learn. And I feel once I feel that I've learned and absorbed enough where Mm -hmm. I can give back as much as possible, then I think that's when I'll realize I'm ready to break away Mm -hmm. on your own. Mm -hmm. Would you have your own like company? Is that something you've thought about? Oh, I would love to. Yeah. Would it be like design oriented or? I think it'd be multifaceted. Like Joanna Gaines. Mm -hmm. She is my, Joanna Gaines is my idol because not only is she a great designer, uh-huh. her and her husband, I always joke, my boyfriend Mike and I, he's the chip, I'm the Joanna, because Uh-oh. he is a goofball. Oh, but <laughs> I thought we were talking about. <laughs> he is a goofball, but he's, and he loves construction. He's mm-hmm. good at what he does. And Joanna keeps him a little sane. And I feel like keep him a little sane. But not only do they do design and construction, but she has her bakery and I love baking. Yes, I was going to mention that, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> so in my in my dream world, I'll have this design build firm uh-huh. and somehow teach and somehow bake and somehow roller skate. You know what? You can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> the list is never honestly, ending. It's never ending, honestly. 
So for your free time, you like to bake? I love baking. Roller skating? Yes. Late <laughs> night baking seems to be <laughs> the thing where I can come home from a long days of work. And if I put my mind to it, I will start at 11 o'clock and keep going until I feel content. But is that like a stress relief or is it just something you love to do? I just love it. It turns into a stress relief because uh-huh. I just put my all into what I'm baking that night and just forget about whatever went on during the day. And then it helps that I absolutely love sweets. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it. That's awesome. I, I need to find like a hobby. That's what I need to find. I, I feel like I've been searching for one for a long time. And it's gotten to a point where now I just say TV shows, <laughs> which doesn't sound good. And I feel it's not healthy. <laughs> but, but you love parties and you love events. You know what? You're right. You're right. You're abs- actually, you're right. I love planning events. You really do. I Maybe think, that is my stress relief. I think so because you... Look at that, guys. <laughs> wow. You do. You love taking on these creative ideas and how yeah. to make an event a little a little better than what it could be. And I think once you put more time or more thought into how to turn that into a profiting hobby... Whoa, hold set. up. Jasmine just like figured out my life. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Yeah, because right now I'm planning the AIA Gala. Yes, this is like promo, guys. <laughs> All designers, architects in this field, watch out for the AIA Gala in October, October 4th. Okay, anyway. Come so, to Miami for that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jasmine will be here. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, but yeah, so I'm helping out to plan the gala. And it's actually a lot of fun. And, you know, I had been thinking, like, I I don't think I would want to be an event planner. I feel like I'll be too stressed out. And I don't I don't love it that much. But I, there's this, like, soothing part of just planning events. And I don't know, just getting to the bottom of the details and logistics and all of that. Ha! Maybe I will do something with it. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> What's your ideal workplace? My ideal workplace. Yes. What would you say that is? A small firm. Hmm. Okay. I think, are you, are you saying more, more along the lines of an architecture office? Anything. Hmm. I got more questions. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so, for, okay. Well, first of all, before you answer that question, mm-hmm. you said a small firm. Yes. So you prefer small firms to large firms? A hundred percent. Why? Well, it's the only thing I've been exposed to. Okay. And it's been so enlightening. And because it's small, sometimes it's all hands on deck. So you have no choice but to put your big girl panties on and Mm -hmm. learn and figure it out and do it. And my fear is always from at least what I've heard in working in larger firms, it's very easy to get pigeonholed Mm. into just doing the same repetitive thing over and over. And I know there's some who do work at larger firms where that's not the case, Mm -hmm, but I do enjoy the camaraderie of -hmm. a small firm where everyone is, depending on where you are, Mm -hmm, everyone is, can be your support system and you need help. Everyone needs help at some point in time. And you've just got to be the person who's unafraid um, to ask for help. And then you can be the volunteer and realize, you know, that's something that I want to learn. I want to learn how to put this schedule together or how to put this budget together. Mm-hmm. And then you jump on it, realize 
just like that, you've learned something new and then you can incorporate that into the rest of your career. Hmm. So I do enjoy working at a small office. I agree. I personally enjoy a smaller office because you, I mean, just like you said, you get to learn so much more, but I also feel it's kind of what you make out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, so, I mean, you could be in a small office and, you know, kind of slack off and really do nothing. And honestly, there's some small, there's some medium sized small offices that, you know, when you do slack off, people let you slack off Mm -hmm. because that's, that's just the way it is. (laughs) I feel that would also go for a larger size, um, Firm, I wouldn't know. I haven't been in like a huge firm before, so I can't really speak of from that experience. But, um, yeah, for sure, for from a smaller office, I feel like you almost have to be a go getter. You do to really get like suck up all of the knowledge and information from that. And I think it's a great opportunity for anyone just starting out, even yeah. to experience that like small office environment because it's you can just be like a sponge. And get all of the information and then dip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, no, but it's true. I think, it's true. I think it's a great way to also realize if you're even the go-getter. Because true. sometimes That's you're true. not and it's too much for you to, mm-hmm. to work at a small firm. And you realize, I need to go somewhere larger where it's okay if I slack off every mm-hmm. here, every now and then because I can't handle this constant pressure. Yeah, of course. So I, I- think it's, it's good to kind of realize, figure out. Are you what's good for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everyone is different at the end of the day. Yeah. So I was on a question though. <laughs> ideal workplace? Yes. Tell me, what's the ideal workplace? Like, what's your ideal work setting? Ooh, when I think of an ideal work setting, what I'm envisioning is a large window. I absolutely love natural light. I don't mm. need to be outside, but. I love natural light. I agree with you, girl. <laughs> like, I don't need the sun no. or the elements, per se. I mean, I probably do, but, you know, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I can be indoors, but as long as there's natural light coming into the space, uh-huh. I'm happy. For example, at, at my office now, I sit at the corner where two windows abut to one another, and uh-huh. I love it because I've got sunlight and views coming in in all different directions. So that's what I envision coffee shop feel where it's very loungy and I can sit at a banquet with my laptop and just a very relaxing work environment. Okay. I definitely appreciate working from home when I have the opportunities to. (laughs) I feel much more productive because I don't feel a tremendous amount of pressure. Like Uh if there's a stressful situation in the office, I'm not feeling it because I'm not there. So I can just hone into what I'm doing and put all of my energy into that. But at the same time, work at my own pace where yeah. I'm comfortable that I'm not going to stress myself out. Mm. So I think just a very relaxing, loungy, beautifully naturally lit. Yes. <laughs> coffee shop kind of space. Yes. <laughs> that sounds perfect. I'll be there to chill. Yes. That's it. <laughs> chill and work. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So knowing you're a black female in the design field. How has your experience been so far? It has been, I feel like I don't think too much about it because to me, it's normal to be the only Mm. black female (laughs) in the room, (laughs) at least in this type of environment. Um, So I'm used to not the, not the looks, but just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. self-consciously knowing 
I'm the only one who looks like this in this room. And I think because I'm so used to that, it doesn't faze me. Yeah. But it does surprise me when I see a fellow. So if I see a fellow black girl who's in our architecture field and I completely support it Mm -hmm. because I feel not that it's, at least in Miami, Mm -hmm. it's rare. Yeah. To see a fellow like you doing what you're doing. Yeah. I think in that sense, I always spin it in a positive light because I'm just used to being the only one of me Mm -hmm. and not letting it phase me and just moving along with what I'm doing and showing people it really doesn't matter what I look like or my gender or anything. I'm just here to do business, Mm -hmm. do my job, do a damn good job at what I'm doing and keep it moving. And then when I see someone else, a fellow like me, then I'm a complete supporter of it. Yes. Would you say it's inspired you? Only one of you in like the in a design setting per se. I think it drives me. Yeah. It how really so? does. I always feel not that I'm underestimated, but mm-hmm. I always feel like I have something to prove. Mm-hmm. So because I feel like I have something to prove, I work that much harder and mm-hmm. I push myself that much further mm-hmm. to exceed expectations, even if those expectations are in my head. Yeah. Of but course. because they're there inside of me, I'm like I have to prove that I'm not only worthy of my position or qualified for what I'm doing to other people because I know it in myself. But I always feel like to others, I have to do something above and beyond what the norm is Mm -hmm. to stand out and show I'm here. I feel like, I mean, just being a female in general, not even just, you know, just picking us out as black females. I feel just being a female in general we always have to almost prove ourselves, at least in our head. Mm-hmm. We always have to like go above and beyond for every single thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to see it for a long time. I would think of it like as like a sad thing, like, dang, you know, why do I always have to fight to be here? Or why do I have to try so hard? But um now I'm actually coming to realize it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's great to have that drive to be like, okay, you know what? I'm the only one here, but... I don't care. That drives me to stand out. Like, I'm the only one, but I got skills. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And honestly, that just makes us better professionals, I feel, because people are not necessarily expecting that, at least that intense drive. And then we give it to them, you know, and I feel that's another reason why women are thriving so much, especially in the design field. You I know? agree. And even in, in construction, because when I started, we did a lot of site visits where these Older male contractors are not used to seeing a young female in her 20s walking the sites. And with that, it exposed me to realize how not only in architecture, but in construction, Mm -hmm. especially in construction for, you know, whatever reason, it's just so rare Mm -hmm. to see women in an authoritarian, in in authority. Mm -hmm. So being exposed to construction work sites and different contractors who just weren't used to seeing females in or on the construction site. And over time, seeing how their respect changed for us, because at first it wasn't the most respectful. They're like, you don't even belong here. I hate that type of attitude. (laughs) And then throughout the course of a year or so, it was this respect where they understood why we were there, what we were doing. And it wasn't so much of this what are you doing here attitude, mm-hmm. but more of a how can I help you? Mm-hmm. What do you need from me? How can we work together and 
get whatever we need to get done mm-hmm. um, change. Yeah. So I think it's great for women to be open to going on site and not of staying course. in the office so that these older generations can see this is a new normal yeah where women are here and we want to be here Mm -hmm. and you're gonna accept it and you're gonna love it and you're gonna work with us (laughs) yeah so i mean i've never i haven't really experienced like a construction site per se where i've had those challenges Mm -hmm. but i've heard a bunch of stories and people say a lot of that you know so what what do you think made them make that switch? Was it like them seeing your skills or did you have to stand up for yourself or your boss had to like put them in their place kind of situation? I think it's a mix. Okay. Definitely a mix. It's, of course, showing your skills and your qualifications mm-hmm. that you're not there um, just to be in awe of what someone is doing, but you're there to do a job. Mm-hmm. And then in part, having male reinforcement from my boss or other co-workers who have to tell them, listen to her. Yeah. And that that helps because sometimes, depending on how much older they are, no matter what you say, it's just not going to get through. Oof. So they need another man to tell them, you need to listen because what she's saying is the same thing that I'm going to say. It's just coming out of his mouth, not hers. Yeah. So, Ibehi, I have a question for you. Yes. Earlier, you mentioned that it's the end result of a project, the overall design of a project that inspires you. Mm -hmm. And I would like to know why. Okay. I feel like, okay, so for me, it's two two parts, right? The beginning of the design. So when we're still kind of like in the planning phase and in the sketching schematic design, and then the overall, like at the end, when everything is all done. I just feel like um, you really get to see what that building um, really turns out to be. I don't know. It, it kind of just fascinates me like, oh, wow, like this is it. And to really experience the space also fascinates me. Just seeing it go from a sketch to a built Yes, form. but for some reason, I'm like missing the middle, <laughs> which is literally the most important part. Like, <laughs> no, seriously, like... The, the middle, of course, the whole construction documents and project managing and all of that, it, it intrigues me, but just to an extent. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go all the way full. I don't dive in all the way. So it's, <laughs> it's really appreciating how something can go from what starts out as a sketch. Exactly. And then through this design process turns into this magnificent project. Yes, yes. That's exactly how it is. And you know what I also noticed, though? I think, not I think, I know that I really enjoy, um, like, really hands-on projects. Not, I mean, I've, I've never gotten the chance to actually be a part of one. You know, those projects that we see, whether it's in um, somewhere in Africa or, you know, in Europe where people start with the design, the schematic sketch and everything, and then they go on to actually build it themselves. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. I really love hands-on projects that look like the community can put it together. Yes. So that I'm actually interested in seeing, oh, how do they put it together? How is that all being done? But when it comes to, you know, the architecture that a lot of the architecture we have in Miami and the construction documents, I know that they're construction documents in, <laughs> in the hands-on project, mm-hmm. but I feel I'm more interested in that because it's so... It's like smaller scale. 
That's very interesting. Yeah. I'm more interested in the small scale, small scale architecture. Like I can't, I can't do large scale. No. Yeah. And I definitely realized that when I worked, um, at my old job where we did like mainly urban, um, design work. Mm-hmm. Cause after architecture school, I was like, I'm going to go into urban design and, you know, landscape architecture. I want the bigger picture. No. <laughs> no, I'm no. so glad I actually didn't pursue that because it just, I just feel super disconnected from it. Like I have a lot of respect mm-hmm. and, you know, I really admire the people that, that come up with, um, these beautiful landscape, you know, landscape spaces or urban spaces. But I, I just love the, but I, I just love like the experience in the smaller spaces. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by what those small spaces can do to people. So it sounds like you... Here we go. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you like gathering and community-based yes. work, yes. you know, things like that. I love community. Oh, my gosh. Like when you're planning an event. Oh, my gosh. And yes. then you can spin that off where you're designing these gathering spaces mm-hmm. and these very community-oriented places of being yeah and just communal whether it's an event or just a few friends who need a place to get together and just stay there and enjoy the space and it's not just as passing through exactly that's that's what i love i love architecture that makes you stop Mm -hmm. and makes and you know makes you really feel something and personally i don't think at least i don't get that from like huge urban structures like i I appreciate them, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't really get that feeling like, oh my gosh, I want to stay here forever kind of thing. No. So speaking of events. Yes. On my Instagram page, I had mentioned how Layers of Design is going to come out with a live episode where Layers of Design is going to meet the community. Oh, wow. Yes. So everyone look out for that. <laughs> <laughs> Myself, my producer, who I haven't like told the world about yet. <laughs> He's also a designer. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Um, where we're going to go out to a space. I'm still looking for the space and still planning things. Mm -hmm. But pretty much I want to tell these stories in at an event. So I'm going to have like a couple guest speakers where almost like a panel and we just I interview them and we talk and we get to know a bit more about the designers and how they feel about the the design world and everything that's going on and to um connect designers. So the event will be, you know, the interview session, but mainly the main part of the event will be bringing together different designers in Miami where, I mean, the whole idea of these next series of episodes is about designers in their element. Mm-hmm. So pretty much at the event, these designers will be in their element. So, for example, I had um, Jorge Rodriguez as a guest speaker, and he's an artist. Yes. So, hopefully, Jorge, you hear me? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, you know, he'll be willing or, you know, um, just to kind of life paint and show off his talents and his skills. So, that kind of thing where just different designers will come, whether it's the life paint or, I don't know, bead making, Mm -hmm. flowers or something. Just for just like a design evening. Of Jorge, course, I hope be you're wine. listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of sums up the whole live episode mm-hmm. that we're gonna host. I haven't decided what month it'll be in, but it's gonna be this year for sure. So guys, look out for it, and I expect everyone to come out. <laughs> 
It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. And Jasmine will be in for, from Texas too, so. Oh, I will? Yeah, you will be. <laughs> for that one and the AIA gala, so, you know, everyone's gonna be there. <laughs> Anyone wanna sponsor my flight? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, but, so, speaking of designers in their element, what would you say? That would be classified as you being in your element. Teach. Nice. I think it's, <laughs> I think there in that classroom setting mm-hmm. is so comforting to me at least. And I think one thing that's resonating with me right now, because I just submitted my final grades and I had a student write to me and just thank me for the semester. And at the end of her email, she told me that because of my class, it inspired her to pursue a master's degree in architectural engineering. Oh, wow. And I think it's those moments that mm-hmm. really come full circle where I always hope and I aim to do the best as an educator and to yeah. inspire people um, to open their minds to something that they may have never thought about mm-hmm. and having a student reach out and kind of, you know, solidify that I did that. And through just being patient and understanding and really receptive to the mm-hmm. feedback from my students, seeing how little light bulbs can just go off and that can spark inspiration in someone else to learn something new that they may have never considered. Wow. Yeah. So and I think teaching. That's awesome. I can imagine that that also inspires you in turn when someone writes you that, you know, you've inspired them to almost pursue their dream or like to take the next steps. Mm-hmm. So that probably inspires you too as well. It does. It, it really does. It's it's reaffirming that what I'm looking to continue pursuing mm-hmm. is what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And just letting me know that I can do it mm-hmm. and that I should keep doing it. Um, so I just love little moments like that. That's great. Have you had any like downsides in teaching? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... There was, there was one time I came home. <laughs> I was externally frustrated because from a teacher's perspective, uh-huh. we have expectations of, of our students. And when those expectations are not met, you think it's your fault. Okay. And that was towards the midterm era of this semester. I felt like I was failing my students because oh, my wow. expectations may have been a little too high, mm-hmm. but you just have to course correct and realize, okay, if my expectations aren't what the reality of my class is, mm-hmm. then just a little change into my approach should be the solution. And ultimately that was a solution where I just needed to change up my approach and that kept the spark going in the class. But as an educator, it's hard. Because you have the semester planned out and mm-hmm. you're like, yes, this is going to be great. And then when things don't go, at least for me, when things don't go as planned, <laughs> yeah. I freak out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then I just blame it on myself, <laughs> even if it's really not as bad as I'm making it seem. Yeah. But um, just a little hiccup and I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. And then just internalizing it, realizing it. No, this just isn't what you were expecting. And it's okay. So let's change it up and see how this goes. Wow. Um, and I think that realization is key mm-hmm. to being an effective educator and really reading your students and mm-hmm. seeing what's working and what's not working and realizing when something's not working, what do you have to do to get things back on track? Wow. So you have the kind of um, teacher that or educator 
that um, caters to your students. A hundred percent. That's really great. I wonder if all teachers are like that. I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we've always, we've all had that one professor who maybe shouldn't have been a professor, but. (laughs) 100%. But that's okay. Yes. So Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on and for the great conversation we've had. And for you sharing your passions, your, and your experience with us. But before you go, I would like to ask you, what's your favorite, what's your favorite architectural element? My favorite architectural element is a roof. Oof. Wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> it really is because I think a roof can be made of so many different materials, layers. Um, where it can be one that sticks out to me is the Baylor Foundation in Basel, Switzerland by Renzo Piano. Mm -hmm. And that is a layered roof, um, over a museum. And because of this layered roof system, it allows a lot of natural light Mm -hmm. to come into the space without damaging any of the artwork. And I think that was such a beautiful piece to solve for the roof where it's not your typical solid roof and Mm -hmm. you just have lights where he's utilizing the site and he's utilizing this beautiful sunlight to illuminate the space while still protecting valuable artwork within. Or you can have domes Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. domes in themselves are spectacular pieces of architecture and structure. And just in the way where they come together at this midpoint and you can have a painted dome, one where it's just the structure that's exposed. And I think the roof is always an element that in- intrigues me. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. <laughs> I would not have come up with the roof. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> well, guys, that's Jasmine. <laughs> Watch out for her because she could be a teacher or she will be the next best designer. Whoa. Okay, so watch out. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in and catch you on next episode. 